0: taking some time out of your day to tune into the Chronicles of Josephus. I am your host, Michael Miano, and I'm excited to bring us into the details that I have set before us today. What we're going to do is an introduction to the writings of Josephus. I will be using for this study the complete works of Josephus as translated by William Whiston, and we will be taking a look at the Antiquities of the Jews, the life of Flavius Josephus, and the War of the Jews. So again, this is going to be a great podcast. I look forward to getting into the details and learning quite a bit more about the first century. To give us a little bit of evidence in regards to the value of Josephus, I'd like to share Eusebius, our third and fourth century church father, his words in regards to the proof of the gospel. Quote, If anyone compares the words of our Savior with the accounts of the historian, speaking about Josephus there, concerning the whole war. How can one fail to wonder and to admit that the foreknowledge and the prophecy of our Savior were truly divine and marvelously strange? Amen. Again, this is going to be some great insight. As I talked about on Tuesday's podcast, Life with MGW, the value of having audience relevance and taking into consideration the thoughts of other people that were there in the first century. So what I'd like to do is share a little bit from the introduction that William Whiston put forth in regards to the value of looking at these writings of Josephus. He says, Unlike reporters, who are supposed to remain detached from their subject, or historians who usually describe events that happened years, if not centuries, before they were born, Josephus Flavius was an active participant in many of the amazing events about which he wrote. He goes on to talk about Josephus. Born Josephus ben Matthias into a family of priests. He became a priest himself. As a young man, he had spent time with an Essene sect before becoming a Pharisee at age 19. Impressed by the undefeatable power of Rome, he discouraged the growing Jewish rebellion. To no avail. Finally, he was swept up in the rebellion and was appointed as the commander of Galilee. When Jerusalem was destroyed, he was taken as a prisoner to Rome. His life was spared because he predicted that Vespasian would become the emperor. When his prediction came true two years later, Josephus was released, and he adopted the family name of the emperor, Flavius. In AD 70, he marched with Vespasian's son, Titus, on Jerusalem, which rendered him an unforgivable traitor in the eyes of some of his people. Afterwards, he retired to Rome, became a Roman citizen, and spent his days writing about his life and exploits. Josephus also began to write about the history of the Jews, perhaps as an explanation of the Jews for the Romans, and perhaps in an attempt to redeem his reputation. Drawing from his own experiences as well as the knowledge and writings of other historians, Josephus has left us an indispensable library of background material for any serious student of the Bible and the New Testament and the intertestament period. Just a word of clarity, intertestament period would be that time between the last prophet of the Old Testament, Malachi, to the time of the writings of Matthew in the first century or whatever New Testament writing. Again, we're not talking about the historicity or the um, historical context of the different writings because, you know, as, as... Many of you may know the Bible isn't put together in chronological order. Josephus in his writings refers to John the Baptist and to James, the Lord's brother. His well-known reference to Jesus in the Antiquities was thought to have been edited, but it remains basically authentic. And that's what we're going to be looking into. So the first writing that we get to in this complete works is The Life of Flavius Josephus. If I may share a couple inset, uh, insights, um, Josephus goes on for, to list for us that uh, he, he grew up with nobility, that he moved from being an Essene to a Pharisee. And um, then he goes on to sort of explain some of his reasons right here in Flavius Josephus, the life of Flavius Josephus. And I'm just going to share a couple of the uh, highlights. He says this, that he began to conduct himself according to the rule of the sect of the Pharisees, which is of kin to the sect of the Stoics as the Greeks called them. What's interesting to know about the time, the intertestamental period before the time of Jesus Christ, is that the Jewish faith, if you will, began to divide. Again, it's been a long time since they heard from their last prophet, and they began to sort of lean upon their own understanding in regards to how the hope of Israel would come to fruition. We know that there was the development of the Essenes, which again were a more spiritual crowd that believed that The eschatological end time was going to be a spiritual war fought in the spirit. And those that had separated themselves from the society would be those that would be redeemed. John the Baptist was of this sect. Um, The zealots were those that began to fight during the, you know, with the Maccabees, during the intertestamental period, etc. The Pharisees were a sect that believed in these strict codes, developed many traditions, and believed in being the pure ones, if you will. I forget that the word Pharisee means something to that nature, the pious ones, pure ones, kind of like the Hasidim um, of our contemporary time. Uh, then you have the Sadducees, which basically believed that God's restoration would come by their involving themselves with government. Um, they did not believe that God would bring about a resurrection of the dead, this ultimate restoration. They believed it would come as they worked together with the institutions around them. And that's pretty much the, uh, the major sex that you, you deal with there. So continuing in this writing, he talks a little bit about the zealots um, in the beginning couple chapters of the life of Flavius Josephus. He goes on to say this, and this I said with vehement exhortation, because I foresaw that the end of such a war would be most unfortunate to us, but I could not persuade them. For the madness of desperate men was quite too hard for me. And he's beginning to talk about the reason for the war and this, these zealots, uh, the Sakari, that began to uh, rise up against the Roman leadership. He talks about Menahem, who would be Menahem ben Judah, um, one of the leaders of this zealot group, who was put to death. And uh, ultimately he talks about how the seditious were not able to be restrained. Goes on to mention, I would demonstrate to my readers that the Jews war with the Romans was not voluntary, but that for the main they were forced by necessity into it. And he's giving you this context of um, how the zealots ultimately stirred up the people into a frenzy in not just Jerusalem, but also in the north and Galilee and in many other different regions. You had uh, Menahem ben Judah, Judas of Galilee, John of Giscala, Simon by Bargora, Eleazar ben Simon, Eleazar ben Yar, uh, many different leaders that began these uh, factions. And he goes on to mention that he considers them to be the, the Jews themselves with the Zealots to be those that became the quote unquote authors of their own destruction. He says this, finding the right place to go here. But as to this man and how ill were his character and the conduct of his life and how he and his brother were in great measure the authors of our destruction, that is in Life of Flavius Josephus, chapter 9, where he's talking about the factions in the city um, and the the zealots. Chapter 9, verse 41, uh, speaks about blaming The uh, zealot leaders as the authors of the destruction. If I may, actually, I'm going to share chapter 12 of uh, The Life of Flavius Josephus with you. To help you understand. Um, One thing I'll say is that there were three factions. He talks about that in chapter 9. I'm going to take a look at my notes. Um, Josephus's enemy was uh, justice in chapter 9. Let me back up real quickly. Uh, chapter 9, verse 40. It was where he was talking about justice as the, uh, the author of the destruction. He says, I shall give the reader an account in the progression of my narration. So when justice had by his persuasions prevailed with the citizens of Tiberius to take arms, nay, and had forced a great many to do so against their wills, he went out and had set the villages that belonged to Gadara, the hippos, on fire, which villages were situated on the borders of Tiberias and the region of Sycapolis. So now he's explaining this. Uh, and Josephus, uh, this was Josephus's enemy because he blamed Josephus for the war. He wrote works that did not survive. This Justice, another historian. Matter of fact, I believe he mentions him in 9.23. Sorry, just trying to find my way back over there. Hmm. Not finding what I'm looking for there, but uh, the fall of the, the various cities came, uh, you know, the cities that we're seeing is Galilee Falls, Gamala Falls, Gascala Falls, all because of these local politics. And in chapters 10 through 12 of the life of Flavius Josephus, he goes on to explain the problems with these zealots and what they had done to the city. Josephus in chapter 12 is entering into Galilee and he uh, talks about these priests and the um, contempt for the system, the need to demolish demolish. Herod's house and idols. If you don't mind, I'm just going to go ahead and uh, read us through chapter 12. There's some of the insights that are found here. Matter of fact, I'll just read through chapter 12. Now, as soon as I had come into Galilee and learned the state of the things and the information that was told to me, by the information of such, I wrote to the Sanhedrin at Jerusalem about them and required their direction on what I should do. Their direction was that I should continue there, and that if my fellow priests were willing, I should join with them in the care of Galilee. But those, my fellow priests, having gotten great riches from those tithes, and which as priests were their dues, and where they were given to them, determined to return to their own country. Yet when I desired them to stay so long that we might first settle the public affairs, they complied with me. So I removed together with them from the city of Sepphoris, and came to a certain village called Bethmaeus, four furloughs distance from Tiberias. Again, here they are in northern Israel. And then I sent my messengers to the Senate of Tiberias and desired that the principal men of the city would come meet with me. And when they were come, Justice himself being with them, again, we just talked about him, I told that I was to sent into the city by the people of Jerusalem as a priest, together with these other priests, in order to persuade them to demolish that house with Herod, the Tetrarch, had built there, in which he had figures of living creatures in it, although our lords have forbidden to make any such figures, and I desired that they would give us leave to immediately do so. But for a good while, while Capellus and the principal men belonging to the city would not give us leave, but were at length entirely overcome by us, and were induced to be of our opinion. So Jesus, the son of Sapphias, not to be confused with Jesus, the son of Joseph, or Jesus of Nazareth, again, Jesus was a very popular name, in the first century. Jesus, the son of Sophias, one of whom we have already mentioned as the leader of a seditious tumult of mariners and the poor people, prevented us and took with him certain Galileans and set the entire palace on fire and and thought he should get a great deal of money thereby because he saw some of the roofs gilt with gold. They also plundered a great deal of the furniture, which was done without our approbation. For after we had discoursed with Capellus and the principal men of the city, we departed from Bethmaeus and went into upper Galilee. But Jesus and his party slew all the Greeks that were in the inhabitants of Tiberias, and as many others were the enemies before the war. When I understood the state of things, I was greatly provoked. and went down to Tiberias and took care of the royal furniture to recover all that could be recovered from such as had plundered it. And then he talks about going to meet with John of Giscala, another leader of the Zealots, in uh, chapter 13. And um, again, he's going to kind of wander across this northern region. Um, He's in Cana of Galilee in chapter 16. He goes on to talk a little bit about his issues with um, John of Giscala. An important insight from chapter 15 is it was that god who is never acquainted with those as those that do as they ought to do delivered me still out of these hands of these enemies and afterwards preserved me when i fell into the many dangers which i shall relate hereafter and what i'm going to do is i'm going to kind of keep this a short podcast today and i'm just going to end us on some of these details that we've been talking about we see that josephus is blaming the rise of this roman jewish war upon the various seditions of his own people. Now, some would say that that makes him biased because he was trying to please the Romans. I believe that now in 2019, with the collected results that we have, we have the writings of Eusebius, church historian from third and fourth century. We have the writings of Josephus from the first century. We have great writings from other men, such as Ed Stevens with his book, The Final Decade Before the End, where he puts together a great amount of history. and There's another historical book that is slipping my mind right now. Oh boy. Well, there's quite a few different books that put together the history of the first century. I would encourage you as a Christian to get your hands on those writings, to begin to do the study and the work of seeing how all of these details correlate together and we can gain a beautiful picture of the first century. And when we do that, we can truly begin to understand the details that are put before us in scripture. So I pray that I've encouraged you. I pray that the shofar that we rang out at the early part of the show um, readied your mind to think through the historicity of what Jesus had prophesied in regards to the Roman Jewish war. Take care. Go in peace. And I look forward to bringing more of the Chronicles of Josephus next week.